Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to another edition of Up in Flames here on Dash Radio on the Nothing But Net channel. We also are going live. Today is Thursday. Today was also the NBA trade deadline. That is everything this show is about. You know, we're going to talk about the NBA trade deadline, the biggest winners, the biggest losers, some surprise trades that happened, some trades that didn't make sense. We're going to break it down. And I got two very special guests with me. I got my guy Jerk and I got my guy Walker, two key contributors and goats of Off the Ball Network. But before we bring them in, we'll be right back right after the Up in Flames intro. Warning. You are now listening to Up in Flames. We up in flames, yeah. We up in flames, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Let me hear it, Lambo. We up in flames. We up in flames. We up in flames. Yeah, we up in flames, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 we up in flames, yeah, yeah, uh, we up in flames, hold on, uh, check this go. We up in flames, yeah, uh, we up in, uh, yeah, yeah, we up in flames, yeah, woo. We up in, uh, yeah, we up in flames, we up in flames. And like I said, we are live here on Dash Radio on the Nothing But Net channel. Obviously, this is a pre-recording. We are recording Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. And we're going to talk about the NBA trade deadline. But before we get into, obviously, the trade of all trades happened. We've been waiting for this for, what, two years at this point? But before I get into that, I got to, you know, introduce my special guest, you know, the guy who doesn't have time for Up in Flames anymore because he's so busy at ESPN. You know, it's been a while. But I'm glad to have him on. We linked not too, too long ago. We were on Jeff's show. We did our favorite Super Bowls, the Watch. So, we, you know, Jerk jumps in when he can, but he's the busy man of all busy men. So, Jerk, what's going on, bro? <laughs> that, that, that was a good one. That was a good one. Because even before I uh, I had to move up to Bristol, we've been, we've been talking about this and freaking schedules, man. It's wild. But, no, I'm happy to be back on. Didn't avoid the show on purpose for any reason, obviously, but no, nah, I know it's all fun. It's all jokes, but hey, I'm I'm happy to be back. Happy to be on. I love working with everyone at the network mode, but I feel like every single time you and me work together, like it's just, it's a whole vibe right now. So we're, we're about to have a good one. I already know it. Yeah, 100%. And we're going to touch on our Miami Heat just because we'll touch on them uh, at the end of the show. So any Heat fans that are tuning in, uh, listening, make sure you stay and listen to the end. I got to touch on the Heat just a little bit. They made no moves. Got my guy, Jerk. He's also a fellow Heat fan. We've been through the ups and downs. A lot more ups than downs, obviously, in our lifetime of seeing multiple championships. But we're going to get straight into it. We'll be bringing our guy, Walker, in. He's running late again. You know, he ran late last week on Draft Capital, throwing him under the bus. So, yeah, <laughs> we'll bring him in momentarily when he gets here. But, Jerk, let's, let's talk about the trade of all trades today, right? Like, this is the, this is the bread and butter. This is what everybody wants to know. Ben Simmons was finally, finally released and traded from the Philadelphia 76ers. And he goes to none other than the Brooklyn Nets. Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks went to Brooklyn. In return, they get James Harden and Paul Millsap. So initial thought, Jerg, we've been... 
we've been waiting on this trade specifically for the past what two and a half, three weeks, ever since it's been in the air that Harden's unhappy. Right. You know, the connection between him and Daryl Morey. We know Morey wanted James Harden. We knew he wanted him what last year. Going into last season, we thought this was a possibility. Harden asked out. Uh Brooklyn, Brooklyn was the the preferred destination, but Philly was also on there. So was the Miami Heat. Philly didn't wasn't ready to give up Ben Simmons yet. Uh Miami wasn't ready to give up Tyler Hero. You and me, we killed Miami at that point in time, but it looks like it's panned out in our favor uh, up to this point. So thoughts on the trade when, when Woe's bomb made the post. What were your initial thoughts when you seen that Ben Simmons was going to Brooklyn? So honestly, and th- this is the life of being a PA now, my first thought before getting into the basketball aspect was, oh, thank God I'm not at work for this because I already know. The stuff in the rundown was getting changed at work. They're collecting Ben Simmons video. They're collecting James Harden video, and they're putting all that out there for the actual show itself. So whenever I see big things happen now, I got to think to myself, if I'm at work, I'm like, dang it, I'm going to have to help cut this. And if I'm not at work, I'm like, oh, I don't have to do anything. I was, <laughs> I was so happy because that news broke in like the afternoon, and I was like, oh, yeah. the noon sports center are going crazy right now. But <laughs> selfish thoughts aside, um, <laughs> the, the trade in and of itself it, – like you said, it was expected. Uh, as we kept seeing more reports come in, it was like, obviously, we know it wasn't just going to be like a one for one or like a little bit more than since we knew it was going to be a couple pieces back for Brooklyn, especially at this point with the fact that Katie's still going to be out here for a couple weeks. Obviously, getting all star break to recuperate is big, but he still needs a little bit more time. Kyrie, of course, is the first ever part-time player in NBA history, essentially. He, he can only play the away games. And if those away games are technically M- at MSG against the Knicks, he still he can't play those games. And I think like uh, the Warriors games he's not allowed to play. I wanna I wanna say if they I if they haven't so. seen Yeah, if, if they haven't faced Golden State yet. If they already have, then that's a, a mute point. But essentially being a part-time player, his availability is so limited. So when you think about it, like Harden being the lone guy there, if you're going to trade him, you need to get a significant amount of things back. It can't just be Simmons and picks because you need a little bit more to help out. And that's where Seth Curry and Drummond come in to the deal. I remember, I think it was yesterday, I think it was you who did share it into the now notorious off the uh, off the ball network chat of what uh, at least their initial asking price was. And the way I reacted was, it's like, it makes sense. You start really high, you negotiate down. Brooklyn yeah. knew that they were only going to get so much back for James Harden. Uh, and for a couple of reasons is that even though he did ultimately end up opting in to the player option for his deal next season, it at, at the time it was like, okay, this is let a half season at most of Harden. How much do you get back? Like that's always the tricky things on when you decide to trade players like him in particular. So the fact that they got a couple more pieces back was good. Seth Curry as a shooter with Joe Harris coming back here eventually, like the two of them, two of the best shooters in the game, two of the best reputation shooters in the game. So just their presence alone is going to space the floor. Andre Drummond, I have my opinions on him personally, but I can see from Brooklyn's perspective, they needed a big and Andre Drummond, at least this season, and he's looked fine in moments for Philly. He had that 20 plus rebound game against Memphis uh, not too far back. So there's that. And of course, Ben Simmons being the key piece to that already reports that he plans on joining the team for its next uh, upcoming road games. I think the, starting with Miami is actually what I saw, what I read with the tweet. So Ben Simmons is already ready to play for Brooklyn. So at least for the Nets, that's a good thing that like your assets can help you right away because that's what you needed. If you're Brooklyn here, you didn't need for the future because you traded so many picks to get hardened. You technically don't have a future. You needed for right now to start helping this team get out of this slump because 
That Celtics loss was ugly. It was a terrible loss. So they, they needed help now, and they're going to get that in this deal for them. That was their positive. For Philly, I'm not going to go too in-depth because there's three of us here, but they they wanted they want to maximize their time with Joel Embiid being healthy right now. They want to maximize you know, whatever they can get with him being at his peak, with him playing at an MVP level. This is the kind of deal that you make as an organization when you have an MVP like that. And I we've seen it personally, Mo as Miami Heat fans, even though it wasn't necessarily the superstars in the big three, but it was like the right role players at the right times. I think this is a common thing that teams do. And Philly was just like, they don't, they don't want to let this opportunity slip away from them to get harder, which I think at the end of the day, they got to keep Maxi, they got to keep Thibule, like, <laughs> it's pretty well executed. So all in all, I think the trade meets the needs that we looked at for both teams going into it. Yeah. So before, before I, you know, respond to what everything that you said as late as always, we got our guy Walker Bailey in the building. Walker, what's going on, bro? Not much. I actually just had to get up because I'm banning my dog from all OTB and activities for the next couple of weeks after uh, after draft capital on Thursday. So I was giving her. Uh, I was giving her the, the dog stole the show. The dog stole the show. For those of y'all that don't know, I also host Draft Capital NFL. Walker was on there with me and Stu, and uh, you know, his dog made an appearance, and and it looked yeah. like he made an appearance right, about right, right somewhere on my screen, but right here behind my head, jumping up and down. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so shout out to Walker's dog. So before I get your thoughts, Walker, I'll kind of, you know, say my piece. Um, I've been talking about this for what? It, it seems like forever, and I mean like a couple of years forever. It seems like this was a possibility ever since I started doing this podcast in, in the first place and being on Dash Radio. Definitely since my debut on Dash Radio, it was like, Ben Simmons, where will he go? Where should he get moved to? And going into last season, I did a show with Chris, uh, Chris Bolton, your co-host on One Shiny Pot. And this, this was the focal point of our conversation. And we were like, you know, it would be perfect. It would make so much sense for for ben, or for Harden to go to Philly and Ben Simmons to go to Houston. This is when Harden asked out of Houston, had, had Brooklyn on his preferred destination, but he also had Philly, also had Miami. And we were like, well, it would just make sense for both sides. Like Houston seems like they're rebuilding at this point. And obviously like James Harden could contribute in, in the – in our imagination, like him alongside Joel Embiid would be absolutely unstoppable in a sense. But then since then, we've seen a different James Harden. He came to Houston. He was out of shape, goes to Brooklyn. Uh, their big three was never able. Well, they played 16 games in, in a season and a half. They played 16 games together. They were 13 and three. So when they were on the floor together, they won games. But even uh, late last year, James Harden pulls his hamstring, which seems to be his common injury the past couple of years. Kyrie Irving sprains his ankle. So, you know, that that kind of keeps the mantra of like Harden, you know, kind of um, he, he fizzles out as you get later into the season, deeper into the playoffs. He starts getting injured. Obviously, Kyrie Irving's hardly ever available, you know, for the playoffs. So then going into this year, that was the thing we're looking at. And then Kevin Durant goes down. Kyrie Irving, you know, isn't getting vaccinated. So therefore... He's getting held out that, you know, the first, what, 20 something, almost 30 games. They finally decide to let him be a part time player because of COVID and injuries. Brooklyn's roster was very depleted. So now he gets to play in every away game. And it just seemed like ever since then, like Harden was tapped out. Like it seemed like ever since Kyrie Irving came back as a part time player, like Harden's been tapped out ever since. So you, you play with Kyrie one day, one day and it goes great because you're away. But when we're at home, like it's Harden by himself. Once Kevin Durant went down, I think that's when Harden was done. He's like, you know, I'm not trying to do this by myself. Like I didn't come here to play by myself. 
Kevin Durant's injury, you can't help. But even still, like him and Kyrie are supposed to be able to hold it down while while KD is injured and, and Kyrie's not there. And then you start projecting. If I'm hard and I start projecting in the playoffs, and to me, where they're at right now, they go on a losing streak. They're at, they were at the seventh seed. They're at the eighth seed, I think. You don't. They're going to get it together, especially with making this trade. You, they won't finish as the eighth seed. But when you start thinking about trying to win a championship, the toughest thing to do is depending on capitalizing on road games because that's essentially what they would do. When they play Milwaukee, they're going to have to win more road games. They're going to have to steal one or maybe even the first two in a series because you know Kyrie won't be there at home as of right now. So to have to steal against championship contenders, steal road games, that's not an easy ask, and that's for every that's basically for every series, including the NBA Finals. So when you are hardened and you're like, I don't know if I want to come back anyway. I don't love Brooklyn. I think it was easy to ask out. And I know he didn't like formally ask out because he didn't want to get killed. Asking out back-to-back years is a bad look. But at the end of the day, that's the world we're in. So who cares? And I feel like Philly might have gave up a little too much. Like I think Brooklyn wins this trade. James Harden is 32 years old. He gets hurt. And then he, he opted into what was it 47 and a half million next year. Mm-hmm. And they probably are going to give Daryl Morey his, is his guy. He's going to get one more max contract. I would imagine it being a four year. If it's a fifth year, so help, you know, Philadelphia. But like, if this is a, a, a notion that Harden is actually fizzling out, like, and he's not going to be the top five player, top seven player that we're used to, then Philly has to capitalize and win a championship either this year or next year. Like that's their window in my opinion, because if you plan on extending in, in a contract extension, giving him one more max contract, Chris Paul, LeBron James, Tom Brady in football, like those are not, they have not set the tone, set the standard of the level that you're supposed to be playing at, at 36, 37 years old, respectively for LeBron and Chris Paul at 44 years old for Tom Brady. Like, that is not a new normal. Guys are not going to last that long. Guys get injured way more now than even they did then. And those are like, Chris Paul went through injuries, but LeBron and Tom Brady, those are guys who just ultimately take care of their bodies. Those are like the people's champ. They do what they got to do in order to, to win championships. So, but to give up Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and the two first is what get me. Like, so you gave up your future, like, Seth is what 31 years old, so he's but Drummond's not even 30 yet. Obviously, Ben Simmons, like we could kill him and talk about whatever, but at the end of the day, he's a 25-year-old player who hasn't even hit his prime. He had to get up out of there. But you look at Brooklyn right now and you look at how they fit. I think Simmons will, if he's your third best player, you have a championship team. I felt like that was the problem with Philly, is that Ben Simmons was your second best player. You're a very good team, but you won't win a championship. With Simmons being your third best player, I think now you're a cha- a real, real championship contender. They take a step back on offense by getting Simmons instead of uh, James Harden, but then they improve defensively, and I think that's going to be a big that's going to be a big deal when you look at Milwaukee having to guard Giannis, having to guard Chris Middleton. You look at Miami; those are going to be like when they play Miami, they're going to have to battle it out. It's going to be hard fought, defensive. It's not going to be those shootouts that you're used to. And even when you look at Chicago, Chicago doesn't play a lick of defense. So if you're able to capitalize with Ben Simmons being an elite defender and, and causing a Zach Levine or DeMar DeRozan to have an off night, they don't play defense. So now you're at the advantage if you have Kyrie and Kevin Durant. So, Walker, I want to get your opinion before we break it down a little more and then move on to, to some of the other trades. Simmons is finally traded to Brooklyn. Initial thoughts. 
I mean, I think it was the other stuff that kind of threw me off. Like, I think it more so than the Simmons and Harden stuff. I think it was the loss of Seth Curry and the gain for Brooklyn. And then the gain of Drummond and also the picks. So, like, you're going to convey those into more players down the stretch. And, I mean, we saw what Brooklyn did in the back end of the first round, taking Cam Thomas last year. So, like, you don't doubt their ability to evaluate and add to that roster. But, like, they added a big, which was much needed. And they're going to – you mentioned defense with Simmons. They're also going to be much more competitive on the glass now which I think is a really important detail to add to everything else that you've already said. So, and then you add Seth Curry where like, yes, you may regress a little bit on offense, but you're now deeper. So maybe that bench unit picks up a little bit of the slack offensively where your starters kind of take a step back. Like I think Brooklyn did a lot to get better and Philadelphia kind of went all in, which Daryl Morey's kind of, that's kind of his thing. He went all in right now and he's going to try to win in this next year or two. And if they don't, I mean, you're kind of in a place where now with Harden, you're, you could be stuck with a large contract unless Philly wisely makes the decision to play these two years out and then just let him go. But, I mean, it's kind of a situation where Philly's got two years now to win a championship, and if they don't, then, I mean, you're talking about starting over. That's kind of a scary thought. And, you you know, typically when you start over, you want draft picks, and your next two are in New York with Brooklyn. So, like – it's just, I mean, it's a scary proposition for Philadelphia. If it works, it doesn't matter because you want a championship. But, I mean, if they don't, then, I mean, it's a bust. And I know that's kind of like, that's very obvious, but um, yeah. it's, it's like. It takes that, though. Like, yes, it's obvious. But like when you put it, but when you put it into context and, like, if you're a Sixers fan and you think about it, it's like, holy shit. Like, we have two years to find a way to win a championship or else, like, we're going back to, like, the mid 2000s like it's going to be horrible and um so yeah I mean I think Philly just kind of went all in and Brooklyn I think now has a window of uh, multiple years where they can continue to get better and continue to contend for championships and I think that's kind of the ideal place to be as opposed to where Philly is like I mean I definitely think Brooklyn got the better end of it yeah and and I think both teams won because essentially like Philly still won because you had been Ben Simmons was not playing He was a non-factor, so I look at it when you take out Ben Simmons, it was inevitable whether he left prior to the trade deadline or you held him out all season. He yeah. loses out on $30 million. Like Ben Simmons it was getting the last laugh regardless because he you were not going to hold him throughout his whole contract because he doesn't have value, and you're wasting years of Embiid. Daryl Morey would have mm-hmm. felt the pressure. So this trade was either coming now, today, or it was coming in the offseason. Let's get it done now. Let, let's try and let uh, James Harden and Joel Embiid get some chemistry together post-All-Star break, and, and then we'll figure it out from there. Let's try and make a run. You know, especially when you look at now's the time to take advantage. The East is very deep, so it sounds crazy to say, like, now's the time to take advantage. But, like, Kyrie might not be playing home games, so if you get Brooklyn and you're the higher seed, now, like, you got Kyrie Irving where if you go on a seven-game series, he's not playing in four of those games. So you have an advantage there. You think with James Harden, like it makes them really on evil level, even level playing field with the Miami Heat. You look at the Milwaukee Bucks, like maybe they're just a smidget worse than the Milwaukee Bucks. But at the same time, if it's not, if the gap isn't that huge, like one hot night could make, could change a series when it's two almost evenly matched teams. But something to think about, and, and this is like projected into the future, but immediately after this season is that the Brooklyn Nets now will have Ben Simmons, obviously Kevin Durant, and they might have room for another max contract because they may not bring Kyrie Irving back. 
which now means like you might have a Ben Simmons, a Bradley Bill, and a Kevin Durant. You might have a Ben Simmons, a Zach Levine, and a Kevin Durant. Like you still may be able to go on with a big three, still stay pretty young and maximize Kevin Durant's, you know, rest of his career out there in Brooklyn. So that's something to think about too, is that they offloaded Harden. He was going to opt into his player option, I think, and then ask for a trade, but you don't give up. $47.5 million. But then you talk about like the, the issues with Kyrie and Brooklyn. Kyrie, they might not bring back Kyrie, but there are some good enough free agents, specifically Bradley Beal and, and Zach Levine are off of the first mine that would get max contracts. But then with those two first round picks, you have Cam Thomas, you know, you still have Seth. I don't know if he would go back, but you have Drummond. You have some pieces where you could make a swing and make a trade at, at uh, Damian Lillard. Let's not be ri- like, let's not all the way, and we'll get into Dame at the end of the show, but let's not all the way rule out that Dame will not ask out after the season. Maybe he's just, he's hurt right now. There's nothing he could do. I'm going to let it play out. I'm going to see what Portland has in store for me. And then I'm going to ask for a trade. With those two first round picks, now they made a way to make a swing. If they can't sign one of those max contract guys and Bradley Bill, Zach Levine, if they decide to stay with their respective teams or whatever, they can make a trade for an unhappy star. And we know, like, we can't, we know it could be Dame, but we know somebody's going to be unhappy next year. It happens every year. There's always a star who wants out. That's just the story of the NBA. A guy doesn't like his role, doesn't like the direction of the team. Okay, I'm asking out. That's just the new age NBA. So, now they have capital to make swings to still stay competitive and ultimately try and win a championship. Any thoughts on that? No, I mean, I think you hit it. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. just projecting into the future is like they might not bring back Kyrie Irving, but you will have Bradley. As of right now, Bradley Bill is a free agent. As of right now, Zach Levine is an unrestricted free agent. So therefore, he doesn't even have a, a incentive of a player option and like, okay, I'll at least play here one more year. I think he loves it in Chicago as well, but – He's also kind of hinted towards, like, I'm a bull for now, but there's nothing like being free and deciding your future, deciding your fate. Guys want that. It was, you know, James Harden wanted that, but I think part of it was he wanted to go to Philly, wanted to explore being a free agent, but with him now being traded to Philly, he's where he wanted to be. And the only, the last thing on the Philly to the Philly and Brooklyn trade is for me, Harden should have been here a year ago. Like, it's that simple. Like, they should have made the trade a year ago. You would have been in year two with Harden and Embiid. Who knows how good Philly would be right now? You still have Tobias Harris. You might not have had to give up Seth Curry uh, if you if you would have traded preseason last year when you really think about it because they wanted Ben Simmons and you knew Harden was out. You knew he was out of there. Brooklyn was trying to hold off and, and, and right the ship. But Houston, you knew he wasn't going to play. Then he went out there and played lackadaisical and just you could tell he was all checked out of Houston. He did enough in Houston for them to kind of give him what he wanted, even though he went about it the wrong way, but still. So he should have been on this roster last season. This should be year two of Harden and Embiid, and who knows what kind of conversation we would be having with Philly. But I want to get into some of the other trades. So I'll go straight into – I know Walker wants to talk about this, so I'll go straight into it. A trade that it didn't make sense for me. When I first saw it, because you have a, you know, you have an all-star player in San Antonio, but Walker is here to to put some, yeah. shed some light and give us his opinion on it. He's a Spurs fan. The Spurs traded Derek White for Josh Richardson, which essentially means they gave up Derek White, took a step back. I think Josh Richardson is a free agent after this year. So it's yeah. one of those like, a, a you know, get rid of an expiring contract. What did you think when you saw that trade? Well, you missed a couple aspects there. They also got Romeo Langford back, and then they got the Celtics first in 22. Yeah, so right. 
the Spurs today shedded a bunch of a bunch of cap space for one. They already had a bunch, uh, but they shedded more. And then they also stockpiled draft picks in this 2022 draft. Uh, they had they had kind of just it was bogged down. The the backcourt had so many people in it that they couldn't get everybody minutes. Because you know you have Dejounte and Trey Jones at the point. You know at, at the two you have White. You want Vassell to get minutes. You want Primo to get minutes. You had Derek White. So you had so many players in that backcourt where someone was going to be the odd man out and have to move at some point. So they traded Derek White because if you get him off the books and take an expiring back, you can make it work on the trade. You can make it work with the trade. You can take another draft pick back and stockpile assets, and then you know just kind of move forward with your young guys. So it's kind of like I was telling people today, I'm just kind of wondering what they're up to because now you're sitting in a place where they have three firsts in the 2022 draft. They have, I'd ha, I don't know what the number is, but it's a ton of cap space. They had max cap space before they made moves today. So they have a ton of, a ton of cap space and there's just kind of holes all over the roster. So I think the plan for the rest of the 2022 season is obvious. Like they're not trying to win. Um, but as active as they were today, it just makes me wonder if there's not a, something bigger on the horizon in the summer. I mean, I think if you talk to anybody um, who pays attention to the Spurs, you would say that it's time where they start making some swings again while DeJounte is still there and playing well. And you have some like the Keldon Johnsons and some of those other guys and Josh Primo starting to develop and Vassell's getting better. Uh, and so I just kind of wonder, I don't know what it is, but I, I just kind of wonder, is there not something bigger on the horizon this offseason? Or maybe they try to play in free agency with one of those bigger names and maybe try to accelerate a rebuild. Uh, or do they play, do they wait on the next disgruntled superstar and play in the trade market because, or play on draft night for in a trade just because they have so many assets now? Um, so it just kind of makes me wonder what's next. But it seemed like it was a calculated, not teardown, but they calculatedly sold off pieces. And there was Jakob Pertle stuff going on today. Like, I saw today like where Charlotte and San Antonio talked about Kai Jones, PJ Washington and a first for Yaka Pertle today, and that just didn't get done. So, I mean, I think they calculatedly sold off pieces that they didn't think were part of their next championship team in preparation to make a big move in the near future. That's just kind of what I see and what I think of that. Yeah, and when you think about it, like like I said, there's free agents, there's Bradley Bill, there's Zach Levine. Mm-hmm. I said Russell Westbrook to you earlier, and you're like, bro, don't even yeah. bring that name up there. Yeah. But I'm just saying when you talk about notable free agents, like we, we see, you know, we can talk – we're not talking about the Lakers. No, we're not going to talk about the Lakers. Yeah. But I'm just saying – and then you talk about making a swing. Like who's to say the Lakers don't realize they made a mistake in signing Anthony Davis and, and they look to trade him? I'm not saying yeah. that's happened. I'm not – I never heard nothing like that. But let's say Dame – because also while you look at it, you still have Popovich. And players, yeah. veteran players would still love to play for Popovich. So you have you have a, a selling piece as long as you got Popovich in San Antonio. And that's something that matters too. So to have cap space, to have access to make a big, big swing on a trade, you could bring in two stars to play alongside DeJounte Murray, who's an emerging star, an all-star yeah. replacement this year. And now you're talking about, like, the Spurs are right back. They got a solid big three. We know Popovich is arguably the greatest coach of all time, but we know they have a legendary head coach in Greg Popovich. Now we can win. Like, Popovich is showing you he can win. He can compete with a roster that's depleted. You know, even DeMar DeRozan made the Spurs at least competitive. So when you look at that aspect, that is something scary. Jerk, what did you think when you first saw it? 
honestly, uh, it was the same wavelength as what Walker was thinking. I think the Spurs, like, if there's any organization that thinks long-term with deals that they want to try to make, especially with the current state of affairs, it's the San Antonio Spurs. That team wants to get back into legitimate playoff picture. Not just the play-in. They want to get back to legitimately being a playoff team sooner rather than later because Popovich doesn't have, like, he's been at this for a really long time, guys. Like, who knows when it will finally be his last season. Uh, it's kind of like something I equate to Miami. Like, Mo, Pat Riley has never wanted to be a part of a rebuilding team. Like, when – for a long time when people were saying, like, maybe Miami should think about rebuilding before, before they got Jimmy Butler. It's like, Pat Riley's not sticking around for a rebuild. Greg Popovich doesn't want to be rebuilding here forever. So these were moves that San Antonio made, kind of like to Walker's point, where it's like the, there's clearly a big picture in mind. Like something big could be on the horizon for this team. And whether it be before draft night, like if a star start, starts to be unhappy before the draft or you – pick some pretty good prospects with some high ceilings and you can show that to a team like, Hey, these are guys you can develop them. They can be in your hands. You just send us your guy. Like there's a lot San Antonio can work with here. I think they executed stuff really well. It sucks. Obviously they had to lose Derek white really did. I've been a big Derek white guy for a while. He, he showed out uh, the last couple Spurs playoff appearances, especially that seven game series uh, against Denver from memory. He had a relatively good series from my from from what I think of uh, of him in there, so it, obviously that sucks to lose a player like that. But I think to Walker said, like the Spurs have kind of been like this for the last couple of years, like just a lot of talent there, especially at the guard spot. Someone was going to suffer minutes wise, and eventually nobody was ever going. Like they weren't all going to be able to play. It was just not exactly. going to be possible. Exactly. There's, there's only so many minutes that can go out to so many guys. So eventually, someone was going to be on the way out, and you, you get another pick. You get cap space, like that's the kind of deal that you make if you're San Antonio and then an expiring contract as well. So I'm, I was hundred percent the same wavelength as Walker. You know, you, you got some young pieces there, DeJounte Murray, well-deserved all-star DeJounte Murray is a supremely talented player. Uh, you have Keldon Johnson there who I I've loved ever since he got drafted. Uh, Joshua Primo has shown some moments. I think like just the raw talent he has and what pop he's can still, do. I think he's still 18, man. <laughs> It's yeah, wild. Like either 18 or he's like he just was, barely. When he got drafted, he was 17. And yeah. so he's either 18. Uh, he just turned – he either just turned 18 uh, in December this past year or he just turned 19. I know he's not older than 19. Yeah, like he so. – the, the the ceiling is super high for him as well. Like the Spurs already have pieces there. You add in a couple more picks. It's just more like young pieces to attract a team that maybe does have the disgruntled star. Who that could be, obviously time will tell. But – I think things are being put into place for San Antonio to make that big move. Also- it's also minorly like this is kind of a minor deal here, but like I kind of think too that they wanted to find a way to be worse this year because mm-hmm. I think they know they're kind of bogged down at the guard spots and not to dip off into the draft stuff, but like when you look at kind of outside of that top four, you kind of get on a guard heavy run a little bit there where it's a lot of guard, like twos and small threes. And I don't think San Antonio wants to get in a place where they have to draft another one of another one of those guys because then you're trading off someone else again. Um, so I think that they want to be as bad as possible and improve those lottery odds and try to get in with like the Chets and Palos and God forbid Jabari's, um, like guys like that in the top three or four. Because I don't really think they want to. As much as I love Jaden Ivey, I don't think they want another lead guard on that roster. They've already got, you know, they've already got. DeJounte and then just so many other guards. I have floated the idea though, and like this, uh, I don't really have an opinion, but I'm I wouldn't be totally surprised if DeJounte Murray was off the roster by the end of the summer. 
Just throwing it out there. Hot take, hot take by Walker. But, you know, and then, you know, just because you mentioned the draft, shout out to future uh, early second round pick spur EJ Liddell. Because um, yeah. he'll, he'll be in the Spurs. The, um, I'll say up. this, though. That's not that's not my hot take. It's just something that Brian Windhorst reported earlier in the week. Like, is that they were weighing offers for him both before the deadline, which obviously never got serious. They never came up again. And they were considering trading him this summer. So, like, if you if that's the case, then maybe that's the centerpiece of that package for a superstar sometime between NBA Finals and draft night. Um, I don't know. But, I mean, like, there's clearly something. Like, they're scheming something up. Like, they, they've got something big picture. And, like, it's probably not for next season. Like, they're probably not winning next season. But in two years, who knows? Because you get two year, two more years of development um, for young yeah. guys that are on that roster. You potentially make a move and add a superstar and maybe, you know, get another star or second option in this draft or whatever. So who knows? But they clearly have something in mind. They're not selling off pieces just to, you know, just to sell them off. You know, they're not Sacramento. Yeah, so. LeBron James finally goes to play for the legendary head coach, Greg Popovich. <laughs> I'm just throw that out there. But no. Nah, so I want to get into uh, the trade. I want so there were two trades that stuck out to me like I, I, mind blowing. So and and for me, maybe y'all have a different perspective. So I'm gonna talk about the the first trade that happened today. Uh, Kristaps Porzingis was yeah. traded to the Washington Wizards. Kristaps in the second round pick for Spencer Dinwiddie, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Davis Bertans. My initial reaction was this: What? I did the Russell Westbrook. What? I couldn't believe it. Like. You get in because Dinwiddie has been what close to god awful uh mm. this year up to this point coming back from an ACL, but it's not like a uh, he doesn't look healthy standpoint, it's just he can't shoot, like he's not getting to the rim. Like he almost is like he looked like he has no value. Bertans is a, a high paid shooter who hasn't been knocking down shots at, at a at a high clip essentially, like for what you got paid for it. Now, I think it changes playing alongside Luca, it's a lot different playing alongside Luca than it is Bradley Bill. You know, obviously like last year playing with Russell Westbrook, it's a lot different playing with Luca than it is playing with those two. It's a different pace game. It's a slower pace game. I think Bertans will benefit there, but I'm not sure. I think you could have did better for for trading Kristaps. Like maybe they're maybe they decided last minute cuz there were always speculation that him and Luca didn't get along and this and that, but we weren't 100% sure it's never come out from the Dallas organization essentially. And then it was kind of like he was a late play in being traded, like from last night to even all day Thursday, which doesn't give teams a lot of time to to really put a package together. And so I think I think it's one of those for me is like Washington really wanted him because you know you still hope he can stay healthy and give us that Chris Stapps that that we see flashes of and show Bradley Bill because Bradley Bill is going to be a free agent that you're trying to win and you're trying to put all star caliber talent. Around him, I'm not saying he is an all-star, but he has that caliber of talent if you get the best out of Chris Stapps. But it was confusing just because I almost felt like it was pointless because, like, yeah, Dallas can't win a championship, right? Like, I don't think they'll win a championship this year. But still, like, I think you could have got maybe more for Chris Stapps if you just waited to the offseason to trade him. Like, teams kind of see where they're at. They start to get desperate. So people saw, I, I, Just for me, it kind of didn't make sense. Jerg, when you saw this trade, what did you think? I was definitely surprised. I was definitely shocked. Um, I've always thought, honestly, for a good part of the last six months to a year now, I kind of saw at some point Porzingis being traded. Didn't know when, didn't 
expect it to be today in particular. But I always did see a scenario where eventually the Mavericks were going to deal away Porzingis. Just let's be real here. The experiment did not work out the way we envisioned. And the big part of that is injuries at the end of the day. Porzingis just can never stay out there on the court for a long enough period of time to really have clicked with Luka significantly. And the few times that he was out there, particularly in the playoffs, like he had his moments, but you're not paid 32 million this year, 34 million next year, and a $36 million player option to give us a few moments and maybe one good playoff game. Remember, I know it was the bubble, but he was essentially, he only played the two games against the Clippers in the playoff bubble because of injury. And then when he came back and they faced the Clippers again, and they had a legitimate chance to win that series and knock out the Clippers early. That's where you Porzingis did nothing. He 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 shrank he away. He had like one game where Luca went out of his mind, and Chris yeah. played really well as a as a second piece where they won. But and th- and that one game was the game where everyone uh, sunk their uh, their claws into the hope of maybe finally the duo that we've been waiting for the the Euro duo is going to win. No, no, they won't. So I wasn't necessarily surprised that he eventually did get traded. The trade in particular, like. Spencer Dinwiddie, the way I see it, and I saw this idea floated out there, is that he's just an insurance option in case they can't keep Jalen Brunson uh, and they can't extend him. Now, my thing is, is, and I think we've learned this from the likes of John Wall and Russell Westbrook, you could be uh, termed a bad contract. If you can be traded once, you could be traded again. And because I think the third year of Spencer Dinwiddie's deal is not fully guaranteed as of this point, I think if they are able to keep Jalen Brunson this offseason, Spencer Dinwiddie is easily tradable if they just feel that he they can't find a spot for him. Because if they do retain Jalen Brunson, it's Jalen Brunson, Tim Hardaway Jr., and Spencer Dinwiddie. I mean, maybe do you want Spencer Dinwiddie as your third guard there? That's a two-to-zone. I'm not going to give my take there, but they could easily get rid of him. And Davis Bertans, more, I think you said it best, like, Luca has become one of the guys like LeBron and Giannis, where it's like they command so much on a double team when they drive because Luca can drive. He can get to the rim. Not explosive like those guys, but he's crafty. He can get to the rim. He can he can get a shooter wide open. And Davis Bertans, I think the thing with Bertans was that it was just so inconsistent this year with playing time. His playing time dropped from by like 10 or 11 minutes per game from the previous season. Uh, and when you think about how crowded that front court randomly became because you've got Rui Hachimura. Benny of Dia, like, is a point forward. Sometimes he's going to play, like, the three or the four. Sometimes, like, they have him handling the ball. Uh, they added Kuzma and Montrez Harrell. And it just became so overpacked. He's going, like, he ended up being the guy that suffered the most from it. And to me, like, you take away that playing time from a shooter, like, I'm not surprised he got out of that rhythm. I think Miami is a very unique situation, though, where it's like Eric Bolster makes Duncan Robinson know, like, hey, you have the green light. If you miss the first four things you take, I, I'm expecting you to take number five and six. With Bertans, if he misses his first two, they were going to sit him for essentially the rest of the game. And, like, the last month in Washington, I he had a lot of did-not-play coaching decisions on, on the game log. So at the end of the day, I just think that he needed a change of scenery. And if you're going to go somewhere, go to a superstar that can get you some wide-open looks, and we'll see if Bertans can get his three-point shooting back up there. If Dinwiddie can contribute anything, great for Dallas. If not, again, that third year isn't fully guaranteed. I think he's a relatively movable deal. Like, I don't think this was the worst case. Yes, like, I get the idea of always trying to get back the most you can for pieces. I'm all for that. That is my personal philosophy. But sometimes you you need to cut your losses. And I think it's a lot easier uh, a year from now to remove Dinwiddie to get Berton's value back 
than it is to convince a team to take Kristaps Porzingis' contract when he could potentially opt in for $36 million more million that that team just wouldn't want to pay. So, Yeah, and, and that does make a lot of sense. And then <clears throat> I'm not sure the exact number, but I think it opened up cap space, uh, even more cap space for Dallas. And there's not huge free agents. Like, there's not a long list of guys, but there's some solid, you know, role players. And like I said, the, the centerpiece is, is Bradley Beal. If he doesn't opt in, um, Zach Levine. I'm still going to say Russell Westbrook and John Wall just because they're highly paid, but they're not going to be highly touted free agents. They're not going to get the bag or anything like that. So, but even when I look at it like that, it's like, okay, even if you could get a Bradley Bill to Dallas, like that doesn't make them a championship team. I'm not huge on building around two guards. Like I'm not big on it. Like it seems like a guard and a wing, a guard or wing and a big can get the job done. Cause you look at it, like it took, LeBron and Anthony Davis, like Dame and CJ weren't that successful. I get it. I think Luca and Bradley Bill will possibly be better as a duo than Dame and CJ. But you look at Dame and CJ, you look at like when you took KD out, like Kyrie and Harden, would they have been a championship team? Like when you put two guards as the centerpiece of your team, I'm not sure that's a championship team or you have to do a really damn good job of surrounding them with talent. Walker, what did you think about the trade? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was interesting. I I think that Dallas will be a better place for Bertans. Like, I think it's going to be, like, a better place from a spacing environment and also a getting-to-play environment. I mean, and because he played in San Antonio before he ended up in Washington. And, like, one thing that you learn from Davis Bertans is you have to let him stay on the floor and take the good with the bad. He's pretty athletic for a shooter. Like, I mean, you wouldn't expect him to move the way he does. He can get up a good bit. He's not super strong. So, like, you're playing a guy at the four that's going to struggle to rebound and compete with bigs. But, I mean, it's a guy that with Lucas spacing and a lot of that pick-and-pop stuff they wanted to run with Porzingis, tw- I mean, you save $20 million potentially for a guy who's a better shooter than Chris Stapps and is going to bring a whole hell of a lot better attitude. Because I think that's the big takeaway from the whole, from the Chris Stapps side of things is, for me, it just seemed like Chris Stapps was not, like, mentally capable of accepting being second fiddle to Luca. Like, it just seemed like from the very beginning – when Luca kind of took over that Chris Stapps like couldn't live with the fact that he was not going to be the first option on a big market team. And just after that, he just never played well. And then you f- contribute the fact that he continued to get hurt and couldn't stay healthy. And so it felt like, okay, you know, maybe it's been two years now, like it's time to pull the plug. And so I thought they did. And it's like Jerk said, you can move the Dinwiddie contract pretty easily. Bertans is potentially a much cheaper piece and can give you the same level of protect, production that Chris Stapps was giving you. So I, I think that Dallas did fine, and it'll be easier to get out of it, like Jerg said, in a year or two if it doesn't work with this group of players than it would have been keeping Chris Stapps. And then I think on the Washington side, you're hoping that Chris Stapps finds it. But if Chris Stapps can't play second fiddle, then like how's he going to play second fiddle to Bradley Beal? So, I mean, I have my doubts there. I, I, I don't really think that Chris Stapps fits in Washington. And, like, I know Washington cleared two big men out today, and that'll open up the backcourt a little bit. But I just kind of feel like maybe if Chris Stapps comes in and the attitude is the same and he can't play second fiddle to Bradley Beal, he may find himself in a situation where he's playing limited minutes again. And, that I mean, and that's just not a good situation for Washington. And then you're trying to move off of him again, and that's their problem. So, yeah. not Dallas's. I think that was the ultimate goal for Dallas was make this somebody else's problem and not ours. Yeah. And, and it's understandable. Like, cause you, you can only hold on hope, but for so long of like, okay, we want this guy to finally pop. He shows us flashes, flashes, flashes. Sometimes guys are just a flash. They're just an anomaly. Like, okay, 
We see this every once in a while, but every once in a while doesn't win a championship. Every once in a while doesn't get a guy like Luka Doncic to sign that extension. We're starting to see players really hesitate and, and decide, be careful about choosing money over championships. I mean, some do, some don't, but it's starting to become like they'll ask out in the middle. They'll sign that deal and then ask out. I think the NBA is like very afraid of, of that movement is like these guys are getting their money playing a year. And then they're like, yeah, I never had any intentions, but I couldn't get this money anywhere else. So I'm gonna get that contract and now trade it. And so that's kind of, you know, even with Dallas, like you want to retain Luca. And so whatever makes Luca happy, if they're not getting along, then you get that out. You don't make a toxic environment for your star player, your face of the franchise. So one of the other interesting traits, kind of not a big deal. Essentially, when you talk about names, it's not a lot of big names, but it's a four-team trade between Detroit, Sacramento, Milwaukee, and the Clippers. Uh, Detroit got Marvin back, back. God, Detroit got Marvin Bagley. So Bagley is finally free. I think we've been waiting on that since he's been draft since draft night uh, when he was drafted to the Kings a few years ago. Uh, Sacramento got Dante DiVincenzo, Josh Jackson, and Trey Lyles. Milwaukee got Serge Ibaka, and the Clippers got Rodney Hood and Simi Oyele. I don't know if I said his last name right, but uh, I said uh, I came close. Um, so when we look at that four-team trade, not a lot of damage done. I don't think there were a lot of swings at that trade, but I think like with Detroit, they still have a young promising big. We see they got Cade Cunningham. You know, we see like they're building a young roster trying to win, but they're not in a win now mode. They'll probably take, they'll be a lottery pick. Obviously they're one of the worst teams in the NBA. They'll be, a, they'll have a, a top five pick. You're adding, you're adding Jabari like, cause they're, they're the one or two right now in the lottery. Let's say that let's assume they had one of the top three picks. So give Jabari, Paolo, Chet, whoever you want to take. Like, I mean, you're talking about building a core there. Yeah. So. And a core, a core to stick around for a while too. Like, and, right. and so I think Marvin Bagley could kind of, revamp his career then they have that trade piece i think who will be in the offseason uh and jeremy grant we thought he'd be moved today obviously he wasn't but i think he'll become a trade piece trade asset come draft time in the first place anyway maybe get a first round pick maybe get a couple role players we'll see how that shakes out uh but we know he was highly sought after for this trade deadline teams really had their eye on him so that's another piece that detroit has divichenzo's gone i mean you know he coming back off an of injury and he just, did, you know, he did. He didn't look the same. He came off he's of injury. Not good. Yeah, as soon as he comes back off of injury, he gets COVID. So it's like he plays a game and then he gets COVID, and you know, just a whole bunch of things. And I, I think with them getting Serge Ibaka to kind of replace some of, you know, the production from Brooke Lopez, I think Serge Ibaka is more versatile and agile when it comes to just how he can move around and play defense. I think, you know, obviously he still is a rim protector. And so that's very important. I mean, he's not an elite rim protector like we're accustomed to, but he's still, he could step in on that second unit and, and fill the defensive void that they'll need. I mean, obviously they, they're making moves to, to win a championship again. Like they're, they're trying to repeat. That's the moves they're making. They don't care about their future right now. They got their future. They got Giannis uh, and they're going to have him for a very long time. Anything else, let it fall into place. You play it year by year. That's what you do when you're a great team who has a shot at a championship. We got our star. We got our future. We play We play it year by year. What's going to give us the best opportunity uh, to win a championship this year? So I'll start with you, Walker. With that, you know, minute trade, four-team trade sounds sexy, but then you see the names, you're like, ah, it's not yeah, nothing major, but but what, what was your initial thoughts? I don't know. I'm just kind of excited to see what Detroit does now because I think, like, that's potentially one of your league pass teams or something like that next year where you have year two of Cade and 
year one of whoever they take this year. And we'll see what happens with Jeremy Grant. But Jeremy Grant was so particular about the type of situation that he wanted to be in as a player that I'm not really sure how many trade suitors can step up and give him what he wanted. Like, I mean, you know, he wanted to be a number one option. He also wanted to play for a black head coach. All of the things that he listed that he wanted as part of his career as a player, the only team that can offer him that is Detroit. So I think with all of that in mind, and I'm not saying that they'll keep him, but I think if he's going to get what he wants, then he would probably stay into early next season and at least maybe feel this out before he, you know, demands out or whatever else. But I think that, you know, Detroit comes out of it with a young player and who knows what the upside is. We really don't know. I mean, he was a top five pick and Sacramento butchered it from the very beginning. And now he's going to get out and have the freedom to do whatever he needs to do in, in order to grow and develop. And he's still young. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about basketball as opposed to other sports is you get these guys when they debut so young that like maybe you trade them at the back end of their rookie contract or even early in their second contract, they may still be 24 or 25 and haven't hit their prime yet. Like you still have time to go in and tap in and figure out, you know, if someone struggled somewhere else, what was the problem and how can we fix that and uh, adjust it here so that he performs it to the, uh, to his maximum potential. So I think with Bagley, like we don't really know how much upside is there. And I mean, there could be a lot. I just think it's a, it's a good risk. It's a, you know, no risk, high reward thing for Detroit. And then you add another rookie and all of a sudden that's a really fun team that's going to maybe even be prepared to compete for a playoff spot next year, depending on what the bottom half of the East looks like. So I think Detroit came out of it really well. Milwaukee kind of did what Milwaukee does. I mean, they just kind of, like you said, they're playing it year to year. They're kind of getting getting rid of guys that they don't feel like service. They're run at a championship and bringing in guys that do service that. And yeah, but I came I came out of it really intrigued by Detroit, and maybe it's because my team is tanking and they're also bad, and so I'm intrigued by all the other bad teams. But I, I did come away intrigued with what Detroit did today. Yeah, them making that move, they do have a promising future. So before we move to our biggest winners and biggest losers, Jerk, any thoughts on the trade? Not really. Like I think kind of to Walker's point, it's like it really depends on how you want to look at it. I think. Ultimately, you guys have said it best, Milwaukee, for the next couple of years, they're going to go in and out with pieces, bringing guys in. They also got two second-round picks in this trade, and I think that's going to be big because second-round picks in the NBA have become something where it's like teams will add them in deals to t- to trade away pieces, to get pieces back. Like, let's not discount that. Like, those two second-round picks are definitely going to be used in a trade in the future for Milwaukee to probably get a role player next season as they continue to try to be a championship contender during Giannis's time. Because like you said, Mo, at the end of the day, Milwaukee's championship window is going to be however long Giannis is still on the team. Like, let's be real here. That, that's how yeah. long their championship window is. As long as he's there, as long as he's healthy, as long as he's an, as long as he is a MVP candidate every single season, that's what their window is. Um, Sacramento, they... <laughs> Is they, they've had some interesting trades, haven't they? But I guess Dante DiVincenzo was just like their attempt to, they can hope he can overcome all the bad luck. Cause like you guys said, like injuries, COVID just has not been, it, it's just been a myriad of terrible events happening to the kid. And we'll see. So maybe you're telling like, me Sacramento wants him to overcome bad luck and playing in Sacramento. Yes. <laughs> and that, that, that will be, that is the true Testament to a man's character. My friend, um, the Clippers get like another vet, uh, another vet in this deal, which is what they've done with all, uh, the few trades that they did make just adding veteran wing players to their team. So just so they could throw defensive options in the playoffs. And then I'm kind of with Walker here. I want to see what happens with Marvin Bagley in Detroit, because I think like 
I remember back in that class, man, and I made a, I made like a, just a lottery mock of that, uh, of that same draft class. And I thought to myself back then, okay, Luca should go above him, but I know the Kings are going to pick Marvin Bagley. It was the most obvious thing in the world to anybody that followed NCAA slash NBA basketball at the time. And you really feel bad because I'm with you guys and Walker, we're, we're hockey guys as well. So we know what it looks like when a team screws up their early draft picks early in the development process, uh, process as well. Yeah. Um, I felt like he had a, a bad hand and now that he's finally out of there, I think just playing time, like that's what these kids need. They just need playing time so they could actually show off their skill set and work with guys. And I think him getting to be there with Cade and the pick, who, like they're going to get a pick of the litter of whoever they're going to get in this next draft. Like Detroit's just building a young team. And with a young team, you you take a flyer on a guy like a Marvin Bagley. So, Well, I mean, Ian, you know that the last team who built a young team and kind of built through the draft was Memphis. There you go. Where we're at now, so – yeah, like and and it it that's what happens when you build through the draft, right? It's like so when you know you got draft picks, you know you can build through the draft. Like the next focus for Detroit is just player development. You see it how well right. it worked in Memphis. You see how it works in Toronto. Like player development is key as well. Like you can draft well and hit on all the right picks, right? But then you look at like has Sacramento really drafted wrong? Like I mean, I know you look at Luca now, but would Luca be Luca in Sacramento? Is the question? And I would Sacramento say Sacramento doesn't do anything right. Yeah, but even still, like just having De'Aaron Fox, like like they've had some players where you're like, okay, they're pretty good, but then they don't develop them, they don't get better. Like, who's to say um, Luka would have been Luka Doncic and you know the, the well, next? They, to be fair, they've had some bad picks: Jimmer Fredette, Nick Stauskas. Like they, yeah, that's uh, whatever yeah. the the Greece center that they drafted when they already had DeMarcus Cousins and they drafted Scalabissier. Weren't they young. the or yeah? Weren't they also the ones that traded up for like Georges Papianis or whatever? Yeah, that that, that was him. That was there him. It is. They, yeah, that, they, that tra- was- they traded up for him when they already had Boogie, and I think either earlier in the draft or later in the draft they got no, and they came Scal- up from like Duncan they came up from like. Yeah, they came up from like thirty four to like thirteen. They're like, "This is a can't miss guy." Yeah. Well. They, and then, and then, like when they had Boogie, then they take Daniel Orton. Like, then they get him as an undrafted free agent. Orlando. It, it was them or Orlando. They had Orton on the roster at one point. I think Orlando drafted him, and he ended up in Sacramento. Okay, yeah, that's what yeah, it was. So. But it was like that was a waste of of time too. Like you you even watch Daniel Orton, like as good as he was in college, like it's still you didn't think he was really necessarily the NBA player. You knew Boogie uh, was the guy. So before we close out, we'll just hit real quick on biggest winners and biggest losers. So we'll start with biggest winners first. Walker, starting with you, who's your biggest winner from the NBA trade deadline? I mean, Brooklyn. I mean, Brooklyn's obviously got to be number one. I mean, he takes him. Like, I feel like that's like kind of, you know, just taking, out. taking it. Yeah, it's a cop out. It's an easy way out. But I mean, God, I mean, you get, you add depth, you add rebounding, you add defense. I mean, you get rid of a guy who was unsatisfied with his backcourt partner playing with Kyrie, and you get rid of a guy who didn't want to be there anymore. So you get guys who are going to come in and play hard. You get deeper, you're going to play better defense, you're going to rebound. Uh, and then, and then, I mean, I'm, this is going to come across a little bit biased, but for the Spurs narrative, I thought they, or not narrative, objective, I thought they did a really good job at servicing what they are going to want to do. I told people today I would have taken it a step further and traded Pirtle, but I don't get my way all the time. So I did think that they did an okay job of, um, of you know, kind of getting rid of certain people. Yeah, so Jerk, who was your biggest winner? My biggest winner, honestly, is like more so low key, but the Phoenix Suns. Like Phoenix just made a couple like smart uh, depth championship caliber moves. Like them in Milwaukee, they kept it simple. They have their core. They just added a couple pieces that 
maybe later in the season they want to rest Chris Paul a little bit more, boom, you got Aaron Holiday, who you got from Washington. Want to maybe give Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson a game or two of rest, boom, you uh, you got Torrey Craig, who you got in a trade from Indiana. Like, it was just smart moves that I think for later in the season. They're, they have the best record in the league right now, if I'm not mistaken, best record in the West as well. Like, they're doing so well. Good chance to lock up the number one seed. Once you get that number one seed locked up, man, like, I know it's always a question of like resting guys and that are like just just give these guys a rest. Like they had that playoff run they made to the finals last season. They've been so amazing this year. Like give these guys give these guys geez, give these guys bodies a little bit of rest going into the playoffs. Uh just a game here, game there. Like it's not nothing extreme. Like the Suns, they they weren't flashy moves, but they were like intelligent moves. And uh, for a team like that, like they that that's all you could ask for. Yeah, and I'm going with Captain Obvious uh, as well. I'm gonna be Captain Obvious Junior here. I'm going. I'm going the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, like you said, they fixed every problem essentially they had. Right? They they needed better defense. They got Ben Simmons. Uh, they they also have a playmaker with getting Ben Simmons to go alongside Kyrie. So Kyrie can still play that two guard that that sole solely focus on scoring role. You have Ben Simmons. Kevin Durant is a good defender, not great defender. Uh, I think the way people emphasize his defense, he almost starts to become overrated a little bit. But you have Ben Simmons there. You have Seth Curry to fix some of your shooting woes to replace Joe Harris, who's obviously been hurt, and it doesn't look like he's coming back this year. And then you have Ben Simmons is, is a very good rebounder. Andre Drummond is an elite rebounder at the very least. You needed a big man. Like, you know, you, you, you tried DeAndre Jordan last year. Didn't work. Marcus Aldridge obviously is old. Blake Griffin is it the same Blake Griffin? So then you got Andre Drummond. You have a starting caliber center that could get down there and bang. Only question I have is is how is that going to work with Ben and, and Drummond on the court at the same time? That was the same question I had when Philly acquired him. You know, in the off season. Obviously, we never got to see that because Ben didn't play. But I think that's going to be if those are both of them. Obviously, Ben's going to be in the starting lineup. But if Andre Drummond is your starting center, uh, I think. You know, you run into some problems a little bit with spacing because nobody's going to be threatened by Ben Simmons shooting a jump shot and Andre Drummond is nothing 10 feet away from the basket. But I still think what Brooklyn did, how they panned out and still have a future, still have some ass. They gained assets with with some young pieces, Claxton, Cam Thomas. They open up space if they let Kyrie go. Like there's a lot of good things Brooklyn could have over the next three to five years to where not only did they were they the biggest winners today, but they were the biggest winners for the Brooklyn Nets future, especially if Ben Simmons is back to at least playing at the best version of Ben Simmons that we've seen so far. If he's back to the two-time all-star Ben Simmons, at the very least, like they went out and he's not a guy that nobody will want to play alongside with, but he's got to climb that hill and he has a lot to prove. So real quick, we'll hit the biggest losers. Uh, Jerk, I'll start with you. Biggest losers. Uh, I got to go with Portland. I think the trades they made, they just made them to just get rid of guys off the roster. I know that they have their reported plan, man. Like, at, at, at one point, like, how many times do you have to get hit with a hammer over your head before you realize that it hurts a lot to get hit with that hammer? That's the you're worst not, plan. They, they That's the worst plan ever, too. You're by not going to win a championship. I'm going to break it down real simple because me and Mo, we were on the same wavelength talking about this in the chat. Like, who the hell wants to go to Portland, Oregon? It's closer to Vancouver than it is to the Oregon coastline. Like, they, I'm sorry. No one's going to want to willingly go there unless you overvalue them and pay them above market value. Like, I like how many times do we have to get through that? And especially, I'm sorry, Dame as your number one will never, ever win you a championship. The time is past for that. 
if there was a time for it, it's already passed. It's not going to be now. So, and this is me, like when I want, and maybe this is because in my life in general, like when I want it, when I commit to something, I go all in. When I want people to, to commit to something, they should go all in. Like if you have a passion, go all in. If you're going to rebuild, go all in, like tear down everything. Trade, like they did trade with McCollum. They did get rid of Powell and Covington, which God, that Gary Trent Jr. trade even looks worse now that they got rid of Norman Powell. Like, and yet Nurkic is still there, which I completely forgot about until after the deadline finished. And then Dame's still there. Like, just and if they end up trading Dame in the offseason, okay, like I understand it, but I really think they could have just handled this whole idea of tearing everything down a lot better than what they really did. Yeah, Walker, biggest loser. It's got to be Sacramento. They traded Halliburton and built a roster that doesn't make sense. <laughs> I like that's pretty blunt, but I mean, you've got De'Aaron Fox who can't shoot now playing alongside DeMontis Sabonis and Rashawn Holmes who may or may not be able to play off of each other. I mean, it just didn't make sense. Uh, and Halliburton yeah. trade that didn't make sense. Like that was the. That was the like groundbreaking trade. Like, oh my God, look at the trade. Like, and you start seeing names. And even for a casual fan, like, obviously we know, but you get the casual fan, you're like, there's a lot of names in there. Like, Buddy Hill, Teresa Halliburton, uh, uh, DeMontis Sabonis. Like, some people even, man, I remember Jeremy Lamb, but they probably remember the UConn Jeremy Lamb. But like, there were a lot of names that stuck out. Like, even your casual fan was like, oh my God, that was a, that was a blockbuster trade. And he was, ESPN reported it as a blockbuster trade, but because the names hold weight in the league, especially when you talk about appealing to the casual fan, like that was a blockbuster trade. And I, I sat there, we talked about it in the chat, and I'm like, and nobody is yet to do it because we're all on the same page. It just doesn't make sense. Like I get the trade, like I, the value or whatever is is close, but it just doesn't make sense. Like two teams tanking, making trades like and giving away names like that. And not neither team getting better or worse just doesn't make sense to me. Like we're both tanking. I thought Indiana got. I thought Indiana got better. Like I thought Indiana did a good job, and especially for the next couple of years. But man, Sacramento. I like Sacramento fans were saying, "Oh my God!" for all the wrong reasons when that trade <laughs> Like it was like, "Oh my God! Oh my God!" They traded Halliburton, and they were saying, "Oh my God!" for all of the wrong reasons when that. And trade they said the whole league was stunned by that trade. Yeah. It's there for well, you've had players now. Like, I don't know if y'all saw Draymond Green's podcast clip or whatever, where he like came out and was like, I don't know what the hell they were doing. <laughs> like, even players, like, what were they doing? That dude's a winning player. Like, why are you getting rid of him? And he's like, for some bonus. <laughs> How did you and get rid of arguably your best player? Like, that's yeah. the thing is you, and yes, so bonus is an all star. I, I get it, but like, he doesn't, I don't know. I, I maybe he just doesn't raise your ceiling. Right. Like you're not like, oh my God, we got a piece where like you're Sacramento, you're the probably the worst place to go as far as in the NBA. Cause like even though Portland's really uh up there in, in the yeah. Pacific Northwest, like nobody wants to go to Sacramento. Like <laughs> the worst big city uh yeah. in, in the NBA period, like in California. You're, you're the, the worst. fourth team in California. Yeah, they should move Sacramento to San Diego. I guarantee you that team will be a lot better. If you I don't know. Move it, but move it to New Mexico, and you'd have more success. Like the Vegas Kings, boys. The Vegas Kings. Like but I'm just saying, you move them to San Diego. Like now, it becomes a better, at the very least, like ooh, sunny Southern California free agent destination. Like now, you could compete a little bit with getting guys, but nobody's going to Sacramento. Like literally, the worst big city in the state of California. Anybody that I know of you from Sacramento, I'm sorry. 
So, <laughs> well, like, but think about it this way: Oakland. My bad. You got yeah. in Oakland. So you got three. You've got three teams in California that are premier trade or not trade, but free agent destination. I guess trade now a player movement. But like, and so I'll compare the state of California to the state of Texas. Like, you know, Houston. It's not premier, but free agents will go there. Like, Spur, the Spurs have signed marquee free agents at times, and Dallas is a top five media market. If you added a fourth team in Texas. Like it just doesn't make any sense. Like there's only so much. You put them, you put them out here with me and Corpus Christi, and you or in like El Paso, or something. You, you tell me you're gonna build a solid franchise out here, yeah, in like El Paso no, like, or Corpus Christi, bro. Nobody, yeah, because yeah. then like you've got guys visiting, you've got free agents visiting LA and going and seeing like like or going to South Beach and like. You go to Corpus, and it's like, this is our beach. And it's like, yeah, all right. (laughs) And I come from the number one beach in America. And, like, I came out here, and they're like, oh, yeah, they got the beaches and stuff. I'm like, okay, you got water around it. But, all right, that's neither here nor there. The point being, Sacramento being what they are in the state of California, it's just like when you have a guy and you draft a guy that's that special, you can't trade him for DeMontis Sabonis and hope that you can build around DeMontis Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox who don't fit together and try to build a championship contender. Like it's just not like, that's just, it's just bad business. Yeah. And, and that's the ultimate goal for every franchise at the end of the day. Like even if you're light years away from winning a championship, like that's what you do. That's also that's- another minor loss for Sacramento is why the hell is Harrison Barnes still on their roster? <laughs> like, they could have got some type of value for him too. No, like, like, And I've seen stuff reported where his value was pretty strong. Teams like, wanted him. Like contenders, like yes. contenders will overpay when they know they're contenders. Because like a guy like Harrison Barnes could make a, he could move the needle enough for them to make a move where I give up two future first yeah. or at least yeah. a future first at the very he was worth a first round pick from a championship contender like no I know and looking to move their future for them first that they got like he could have been in Brooklyn he could have been in not LA but like he could have been in a lot of other places like I, I don't know if Miami was in on it or not but we'd have loved to have him in like Miami Brooklyn yeah but like anywhere and and he's still in Sacramento. Miami's first round pick and like Oklahoma City's first round pick don't have the same weight, but just the way the NBA works and how the because the draft is so much smaller. It's yeah. not like an NFL thing where a first round pick, no matter who you are, is heavily weighted. Like a first round pick for a team like Miami who's contending and is going to be picking in the late 20s or 30s, like that isn't a whole lot. And I don't know, but for Sacramento, that's just another chance to take a player like. And, you know, you need when you're a rebuilding team, you need to make as many picks as you can possibly make. And then and then you'll hit on some, you'll flop on some, but you will hit on some. That's the key. That's the key aspect there. So you just that's where I was kind of like, I was like, why? Like, why is he there? They they want to make a playoff run and try to do a quick rebuild. And that's not going to work. Not with that roster. Yeah. Roster. And for me, I'm, I'm agreeing with Jerg on this one. I, I go with the Blazers. Uh, just. I do think the Kings are losers, but they're just losers. They're a losing franchise, whatever. So, you know, they're like, such large losers that when you do shows like this, you can't call them the biggest losers because all they do is lose. Yeah. Like they just, you expect We're sick of them. losing. And I say the Blazers are the biggest losers because, like, if, if Miami made this move, if the Clippers or Lakers made this move, if Golden State made these moves, uh, if, if the Knicks made these moves, then I get where they're getting it. Open up a lot of cap space, get some picks coming in, have some capital to make some moves, get sign a star, trade for another star, whatever. 
But like this is Portland we're talking about. And their whole plan was to say, we're going to show you, Dame, that we're willing to build around you. Or we're going to go get what? So you're going to go get what? Bradley Bill? Or you're going to go get Zach Levine? Like there's not a star out there that with Portland and the lack of talent that they have outside of Damian Lillard moves the needle. Dame and Bill do not win a championship. Dame and McCollum didn't. Bill is not much better than McCollum when you really think about it. Like, maybe a little bit, but he's not much better, especially playing alongside Dame. Like, Bill's touches is going to go down, so he's not averaging 28 points a game. And maybe both of them average 28 points a game apiece, and you the rest of your team only averages 40. Like, you're barely cracking 100. So you made this like you're a, a free agent destination, and even – a lot of people were like, well, Seattle Seahawks do a good job. Like somebody told me that. And I'm like, football, when it comes to free agency, is very, very different than the NBA. There's a select few destinations in the NBA that stars want to go to. Stars want to be stars. Football, the stars still aren't bigger than the sport. I mean, nobody's bigger than the sport, even in the NBA. But like the stars don't control the league, essentially. And it's a lot deeper. Like you'll go to Green Bay. And you'll go play in Wisconsin because Aaron Rodgers is there. Like, you'll go play in New England, you know, when Tom Brady was there. You'll go to these middle of the, you know, you, you would go play for Houston if Deshaun Watson, you know, was there. Like, so, like, a quarterback could sell everything for certain players to go. And you'll go to, if Detroit, like, Detroit did get some free agents throughout their tenure with Matt Stafford. Like, especially on the offensive side, like, I'll go play. So, it's not like that in the NBA. Like, there's five or six cities that, really get a lot of big-time free agents. I mean, even look, Miami has missed out on Kevin Durant, Gordon Hayward. Like, they've missed out on sweepstakes of free agents be, and, and just because, like, people don't want to play for the heat culture. But, like, South Beach sells itself, right? But it just takes a certain type of uh, of star or, or yeah. all-star caliber, superstar, however you want to look at it, to go play in Miami because they don't care about the the glamour and the flash that, that Miami brings its grit, grind, and work hard and not everybody wants that. And I understand that, but even like Miami has a tough time getting big time free ages. So what makes you think Portland, Portland, Oregon is a shitty city. Okay. I've been there. Right? I've been there on multiple occasions. Beaverton, Oregon is pretty cool. Like I like Beaverton. That's where the, the Nike headquarters is and the Adidas headquarters. Like that's pretty cool. Portland, Oregon is a shitty city. It rains. It's cold nine months out the year. Nobody wants to be up there. And more than likely, 99% of the people that listen to my podcast have never even thought about going to Portland, Oregon. You don't vacation there. You, you go to Eugene or something to go watch the Oregon Ducks. Like, you do not go to Portland, Oregon. Nobody's just like, I'm going on vacation. That's like going on vacation to Cleveland. Like, nobody just goes on vacation to Cleveland. And it's even worse. So, therefore, like, I, I just, I don't get their plan. And that's why I say biggest losers. Because if you traded all that and you were in L.A. or Miami, or New York, like let's say the Knicks had offloaded Randall and and everybody else, Kemba and all them, and like we opened up a lot of cap space. I'd be like, yeah, y'all haven't gotten major free agents, but you're still New York City at the end of the day. New York City sells itself. Dame don't Dame ain't selling a star to come there. Portland is, is not a city that sells itself. So therefore, you just run into an issue where, man, I got all this money, and so now I'm about to have Dame and a bunch of overpaid players because that's exactly what's going to happen is you're going to start overpaying players because you have to spend X amount, right? So so you like, okay, we can't get Bill. We can't get Levine. Well, I got $70 million in cap space. Who am I going to pay? And then that's when you get like, uh, we're going to trade for Dinwiddie and take on his contract and then <laughs> pay Montrez Harrell $20 million a year because we got to fill it up somehow, some way. 
Right, because they, they need to meet they meet every sport they need to meet a cap floor. Yeah, like, they have yeah, to, the cap space is nice, but now you if no one wants to go there, it's exactly. like oh we gotta we gotta now overpaying. And so now when you look to tear it down, now you have a bunch of bad contracts that you're buying out or selling very very low because it's gonna take like bro we'll give you almost nothing if we're gonna take on this contract. And now you're in like you're just in like. I don't even know. It just when when they say and it's that's what pissed me off. I see the trades they make. I'm like, what are they doing? And then when they're like, we 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 have all this money. Wolves reported that they have all this money, and I'm like, well, Portland's acting like they're the city of Miami or something. Like that is not a great place to live. Like they are a shitty city, and nobody wants to go to Portland, Oregon, and live there and take their family there for five years. Like, bro, you might like if you're a star and you go there, like your wife's divorcing you, you're paying child support. Like you're you're gonna turn into a shitty you life. You gotta be unmarried if you're gonna play for Portland. You gotta be unmarried. Can't yeah, be, you, don't be, be married because you can't. You, you your wife leaving you because you, you didn't took her there for two hundred million dollars. That's nice, but y'all got a nice house in L.A. So I do look at them as the biggest losers. But fellas, I appreciate y'all for coming on. So before we close out, as always, jerk, uh, give them your social media and things they can follow you. <laughs> at jerk forty. Uh, on my IG and Twitter, uh, I share my opinion on Twitter a lot. I like resharing things predominantly sports but every once in a while i find some memes and stuff and i i like when i'm not depressed i I like looking at the bright side things i like sharing humor and jokes and stuff like that so that's that's what my uh twitter's for uh i hop on the network a lot this is the third show i've hopped on this week on the network so you know obviously when it is the hectic life of being a production assistant that i am i'll hop on whenever i can work with the amazing people like rowan walker uh all the amazing people we have at the network just go to offtheballnetwork.com for all the amazing sports content there and make sure you listen to up in flames off the ball pod, like all the amazing shows that we the draft capital show for NFL. You guys have at, draft season is slowly approaching, approaching boys. I had to it's cut them. I had to cut some Mel Kiper draft videos a couple weeks back at work. Like draft season is coming. <laughs> yep. The Super Bowl ends on Sunday draft uh, draft season starts on that Monday or two. We'll say Tuesday. You take Monday, talk about the narratives, the winner, the loser, what, what this means for these two teams going forward. And then boom, like it's draft season, you know, the combines around the corner spring for football, like college football, spring, spring season is around the corner, which means it just starts amping up. We're looking at all the prospects, pro days and combines are what next month, literally. And that's what in two weeks with, with February being a few days short. So, uh, and like you said, Go follow Jerk. He does share jokes because he did share with me that Portland was happy about having all this cap space. So it's probably one of the biggest jokes I've seen of the year in 2020. <laughs> Walker, give everybody where they can follow you and check out your work. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Walker Bailey 8. And then, you know, just to emphasize what Jerk said, check out everybody at offtheballnetwork.com. Uh, content out every single day. And then check out Chris and I on One Shining Pod, kind of doing our thing college basketball-wise. I'll uh, probably do some draft stuff there too. But um, yeah, I mean, we're getting close to March. So make sure to check out Chris and I, and we'll uh, keep everything fresh as far as college basketball goes and just kind of catch me around the network. Yeah, 100%. So I appreciate y'all for coming on. As always, I appreciate everybody for tuning in, listening. Go to offtheballnetwork.com for all your sports needs and entertainment. Uh, make sure you check out. We didn't go this Thursday. I had to cover the NBA trade deadline and Stu had another show, but make sure you check out draft capital every Thursday as draft season really approaches uh, over the next couple of weeks. We'll try and go multiple times a week, whether you just hear a few thoughts from me, just hear a few thoughts from Stu, if our schedules don't match up. So make sure you check out and subscribe to draft capital NFL. Um, and also like Walker said, March is around the corner. Uh, we will revamp, you know, from last year's show, tourney talk 
So I'm sure we'll even do like, that'll be off the ball network exclusive. I'm sure. We'll do a merger and, and have Walker and Chris on from one shiny pod. Cause they're going to be covering the same thing. So that, you know, that's what we do over here at off the ball network. We all just use each other and, and abuse each other at this point with how much we be working. So uh, pause, don't take that out of context. So I appreciate everybody for tuning in, listening and up in flames is out. Long pause.